Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. We come to you on a Monday morning, having stayed up late to watch Fulham unfortunately slip to their first defeat in six games as we go down 1-0 to Newcastle. Here to discuss it with me, I have Elton. How are we? Uh, down but not out. Frustrated but philosophical. Yeah, it does feel a bit like that. It was um, kind of a strange feeling when you lose to a team in third in the league and you feel like you should have taken all three points. And you know, it is philosophical is the right term, I think, because we really sit here going, you know, just beaten Chelsea. We were five games unbeaten. How can you really be too disappointed with a loss off a two-day turnaround? But look, let's let's jump straight into it and actually discuss the game. Uh, Dad, going into the game, um, a couple of changes to the lineup: one enforced, one tactical. I'd say. What were your thoughts on the starting lineup? Well, uh, obviously, Mitra comes in for uh, Vinicius, which. That's not tactical. That's just always going to happen. Poor old Vinicius probably doesn't probably doesn't get a start for the rest of the season unless Mitro breaks a leg. Sure. Um, and Robinson comes in obviously uh, after suspension. I think we called and we're expecting um, Tosin to be rested, rotated, whatever you want to call it, on on the basis that if there's a rotation thing happening between Diop and Tosin, uh, why is Diop not started for two, three games if he'd have missed the Newcastle start? Mm. So not not a surprise to see him back in the lineup. And maybe, well, not maybe, but I'm sure their thinking is a lot more detailed and strategic than, than you know, our workings. Uh, and, and they'd be looking at the various players and opponents and, um, you know, they're, they're quite different styles of players, mm. uh, Diop and Tosin. So there's 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 a lot to work with there, and um, yeah, so no surprise for me. Yeah, I'd I'd be really interested to get a bit more clarity on the Diop Tosin um, situation. I guess, like, I, I think it's quite obvious to see that Tim Ream is kind of undroppable at the moment. I think that's fair enough, and I did see. Um, White Noise on Twitter put up a little poll asking people, you know, put, rank your current Fulham centre-backs uh, between Ream, Tosin, Diop and Duffy. Who, who's your, what's your ranking for them? And, and everyone put Ream number one, which I think this season on form is fair enough. Um, but almost no one could separate Tosin and Diop. And I think that's fair. And they, they do have slightly different styles. I think uh, Diop gallops forward quite often and is quite good with the ball at his feet, but Tosin's passing's better. And I, I wonder if it is just a general rotation policy at the moment from Silva, or there's something more to it and he's actually picking a man based on the matchup each week. Um, my, my, my sense is that's what's happening. And do you think maybe Diop was picked because Robinson wasn't playing uh, maybe Diop's probably fractionally faster than Tosin, I'd say, and maybe a little bit more physical as well. And maybe he was in there as well to cover cover the fact that Robinson's pace wasn't there. And, we're, you know, I, I think Kazawa had a pretty good game, if you consider how he played last time he played Newcastle. Um, so I, I think that, that was quite an interesting one. Um, and obviously, Mitro straight back into the team. There's no doubt there. I, I was surprised that we started with the same wingers that played the Chelsea game. Um, I was expecting a few players to be rested, not not in the sense that it was a bit of a free hit and so we'd put out a, a weakened team expecting to lose. But I just thought with a short turnaround like that, I wouldn't have been surprised if we saw Wilson maybe start on the right or the left or Willian get a bit of a rest because, you know, he's pretty old now. Um, it doesn't have that much juice left in the legs, as you can see. He gets taken off fairly early in a lot of games, but I think we we pretty much predicted what the starting lineup would have been. So, look, went into the game. What were your expectations from this one? I, I know we talked a little bit, um, sort of internally with our little Fulham WA group about how we saw this one playing out. But were you hoping that we'd be going for the win? Were you hoping we'd go there looking for a draw and? try and close the game out? How, how did you feel we'd be approaching this game? I think if you'd 
asked that same question a month ago or two months ago, um, the answer would be quite different. But suddenly we find ourselves in this strange twilight zone that we do feel we can get points out of any game now. Mm. And I, 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 I think that from a momentum, from a confidence perspective, points, kind of points aside, I, I think Silver would have really begrudgingly rested players and thought, uh, you know, we can't possibly win, beat Chelsea and beat Newcastle in two and a half days. Something's got to give. I'm taking a longer-term view. Even though he would have loved to, from a, a squad management perspective, do that, I think he felt it was too good an opportunity to snatch a win and really push on and, you know, literally turn the fan turn the fan base crazy. Mm. And um, I was going to say start something happening at Fulham, but something's already happening. So yeah, I, I, I just think he, he's in a really difficult position, clearly frustrated by um, some fixture scheduling that just doesn't seem reasonable um, to have a, a game two and a half days later after a Thursday night fixture against Chelsea and then have a break of nine or ten days mm. to our next fixture. Uh, seems it's... Seems strange. It's an interesting one because I heard it discussed as well. It might have been on on Fulhamish, um, where they they basically just said there there was just no reason for this game to be scheduled on a Thursday. It doesn't need to be wedged in. There's, I mean, they could have scheduled it between the Newcastle game and uh, our game against Spurs because we do have that big gap. You could have chucked that on a Wednesday night and given us, you know, move the Newcastle game back to a Saturday put that on a Wednesday night and you admittedly you're still playing three games in like a 10 day period, but that's quite normal with, with cup fixtures, for example. So it just felt rushed and unnecessary. And as Marco Silva said, unsafe as well, when you're looking at players who are getting pushed kind of to the limit at that point, especially it, you players know, who have been at a world cup as well. It's, it's too easy and perhaps predictable to have a whinge and say, well, it's only Fulham. And who cares? And the FA Cup, sorry, the FA just schedule something and just fit it in and draw a line through through that in the inbox. But Newcastle a third, not exactly a nothing club at the moment. Um, but one wonders whether if, if that was Man City, uh, Arsenal, I, I, I don't think that it, it would have been done to them. Yeah, most likely. You know, and that, that to me, that... It, that that topic is reared its ugly head again in terms of just the the, the refereeing, and I, I don't want to be a referee winger here, but uh, I, I think there is something to talk about in terms of how things played out last night. Not not because we lost, but just in terms of how the the game was managed. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 an interesting one. Well, let's get into the game itself. Um, mm. And look at a couple of the highlights of the actual match itself. So, um, first one, I, I think we we started pretty well, but I, I'd say both teams actually started pretty well. Um, felt like in the Chelsea game we we struggled to get ourselves into the game early on, but we we did seem to get up for a little bit earlier this week. Um, Diop was the man of the moment, and I have to say we'll cover it off for for the rest of the game as well. But I thought Diop was superb last night. Diop and Leno. Without the two of them, I think it would have been quite a different story last night. Um, mm. Ball gets played through. Longstaff, a really good run in behind the back line. Diop reacts really quickly, gets across, really good block in. Dad, um, do you think Tosin would have got to that? Oh, he may well have. I mean, he's he's pretty athletic, and but he tends to he, – his, his intensity tends to uh, be a little bit schizophrenic. Sometimes he's really intense and up for it. Uh, and other times he's just not there. Um, mm. Whereas it does seem to be a, a, a difference in ability to concentrate, and I'm and I'm awarding the the high marks here to Diop as opposed to Tosin in those sort of situations. Mm. Yeah, I think I think Diop reads the game slightly better. That's how I see it, at least. 
I feel like um, he he picks up those runners a bit better. And we saw it a few times last night where he just seems to be in the right place at the right time. Um, and that's kind of one of those skills that you can't teach. You just have that. And I think he's got that over Tosin a little bit. There's a couple of times we've seen this season and last season where Tosin just seems to be out of position very slightly and it does lead to errors and and issues. Um, so I, I think... I think Tosin might not have got there. And I think having Diop in the team does make quite a big difference when you have those kind of situations where one-on-one you do need someone who's going to be in the right spot. And I think someone like Kenny Tete is very, very good at that as well. Always seems to be able to get a block in because he just knows where to position himself. Um, I think, sorry, I think picking up on the point you made earlier, which I think is a really good point in that the decision as to who gets the centre-back position between Tosin and Diop, I think, I never really thought about it like that, but I'm, I'm certain came came down to uh, Anthony Robinson's absence and uh, Silver's need for maturity, stability, and someone probably even more reliable uh, at the back. And that's why I think Diop get, got the nod over over Tosin. Thinking about it, yeah, uh, it's it's hard to pinpoint it exactly. And I'd, like I said, I'd love to get inside Silver's head and understand. Um, where he, you know, I'd love to for him to rank his four defenders and say who's mm. who's yeah, his number if. two. No, of course he, he he never would. I don't even think he'd rank the top three defenders. I don't think he'd say Tim Reams is number one. But uh, I just would love to understand why he picks who he does sometimes because, you know, with with wingers and strikers, it's a bit more obvious. Even midfielders as well. But with centre backs who are fairly similar, it's um it's a little bit more convoluted, I guess. No ones. Um, yeah, better word. Um, first chance of Fulham. Ball gets played in from the left wing by Pereira, swung into Mitro's feet. Um, really good cross in, actually, to find Mitro and not go for his head because I think he was marked by two at that point uh, and two quite physical defenders as well in Shah and Dan Byrne. Um, gets across to it, uh, tries to get a shot away, ricochets away, falls to Tete on his left foot puts a proper swing through it and chucks it up very, very high into the stand. But good to see Fulham at least making a few attacks early on. Um, a bit of a talking point as well, sort of midway through the first half, Bruno Gomez, who is probably Newcastle's most creative midfielder, uh, forced, well, I say forced off. He sprained his ankle quite badly by basically standing on Polina's foot, um, rolled his ankle really terribly and if anyone's had a rolled ankle which I'm sure we all have you'd understand quite how much that hurts Dad how surprised were you when you saw him come back on and actually play through for the rest of the half when I saw that in slow motion I I just thought ouch that is that is weeks and it's almost a situation where you'd prefer to have a fracture or a bone break because you're going to come back quicker that looked really serious and painful I was astonished that he carried on, and I was astonished they left him on when immediately after limping back onto the ground, he hobbled. He hobbled. Even with the ball at his feet, he was hobbling. I, I, could, yeah. I can't believe he ran that off. And I'm not convinced he hasn't done way more damage than he needed to. Yeah, well, look, he, he did end up coming off at half halftime um, and being replaced by St. Maximan. He came off. I don't know if you saw he was genuinely in tears. Yeah. Um, I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up spending quite a bit of time out with something like that. You know, a sprained yeah. ankle is usually a couple of weeks. That was a pretty bad one as well. Um, that's going to be quite a big injury for Newcastle going forward, I would have thought, because he really does dominate the midfield there. It'd be be really interesting to see that. But like, like you said, I was shocked to see him continue, and he did look off. Um, he was really hobbling hard for the first sort of five minutes afterwards. And you could see he was playing through quite a lot of pain. He did get it strapped up quite considerably at one point. Um, but when you come off in tears at halftime, I saw Willian go over to him at halftime actually and console him, which shows that it's probably quite a bad injury. Um, anyway, going forward, uh, the, it was a pretty quiet. Uh, both teams, I don't think, were really... Uh, pushing too many men forward when they went on the attack, sort of feeling each other out. Uh, around the 40th minute, a uh, bit of a chance for Newcastle, though. 
Ball get played into Callum Wilson. He spins really well past Tim Ream. Tim Ream does well, though. keeps forcing him out wide and, and sticks with him. Uh, Wilson's shot straight at Leno. Dad, did you think Wilson maybe should have done better there, or is that really good defending from Ream? Well, um, before I talk about that, I want to go back to the first chance of Mitro, mm. where Mitro gets the ball to his feet. That does pretty well, really, um, considering the fact he's got two people really closely marking him. He turns and you know gets an average kind of a shot away. But to me, um, the, the the sort of difference between Newcastle, one of the differences between Newcastle and us on the night is how well Callum Wilson did precisely that on two, three, four occasions and looked absolutely deadly. Now, I, I don't, I don't love Callum Wilson. Mm. Uh, this is not personal, but I think he's sort of, I think he's got above average Premier League skills, but he's he's crafty, he's streetwise, he's a cheeky chappy. You know, he's he's got a lot of tricks in his bag, and I find him quite an annoying opponent. Yeah, that doesn't mean I wouldn't like him in my team because I think he's a bit of a handful. Mm. But he was he was actually very very he caused us a lot of trouble last night, and that that you know it's surprising that he didn't score once or twice. And yeah, I put he, that I put that down to some really great defending and some pretty mm. good goalkeeping. He was very lively throughout, and every time it's a, it's a weird one because I remember him playing back at Bournemouth and wherever else he's played before that. He's he's a decent player, but yeah, yeah. But he's a he, he's a really good player, but he's not he's not world class, right? No, he, and he yet, never felt like someone who you'd be like worried about. Not like a um, Ivan Tony, even though we hate Brentford, but someone like a Tony when where he gets the ball, you're really nervous every time he gets the ball. He, yeah. He's never really felt like that. Although last night, every time he had the ball, I, I did feel a little bit nervous. Mm. I felt like mm. he, he was on was, fire. He was going to do something. He was going to turn away. And we saw it a few minutes after that, um, pretty much on the stroke of half time, where the ball sort of gets headed to him. He takes a bit of a touch and then the ball sort of gets to the ground and he somehow just taps the ball to the side oh. and completely skins Diop. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've been pretty harsh on, 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 on him commenting on his or judging his skill level, but... I tell you what, a couple of things he did last night were really top shelf. That that was yeah. class. That kind of yeah. movement is what you oh. see from the very very top strikers, and to Absolutely. see someone be able to pull the ball down so comfortably while being marked by a very big defender, and then completely skin him with one touch. There at yeah. that point, he's one on one with Leno. I'm going to say he should do better there as mm. a as a top level striker. You're in the box on an angle. You should. I mean, he hit the target at least. You see a lot of people put put shots wide from there, but I feel like he needed to test Leno a lot more there because Leno took a very comfortable court save. Um, mm. But, look, that led us into halftime. I, what were your thoughts at halftime? How did you feel we performed so far? How did you feel the game was going to play out from there? You know, um, I I don't think we started that well, um, but I, I think and this is the second occasion where Newcastle don't let us start very well. Um, I, I've been thinking about it a lot today. They're a funny team. You know, when I think about Arsenal, um, City, even Man United now in full full stretch, and Liverpool, Tottenham, I, I they just scream quality. They scream so well organised. But I don't think of Newcastle as that sort of team, and yet, Number one, their position in third tells you everything about the number of games, number of points they've accumulated. Mm. And we seem to find them so difficult as an opponent. So Eddie Howe's no fool. They're not a team of superstars, but they are they're, they're quite a formidable unit to play against. And I think in many ways they've kind of worked us out. Um, we love to play that ball out, out from the back. And we always settle. We seem to settle into games very quickly. 
never happens against Newcastle or mm. never twice twice. We we have half to a second less time and that causes problems. It causes unforced well, they're forced errors. And it it just affects the way that we set things up. And it 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 stops us from settling into the game. And they I thought they did that really, really well last night. Mm. And I thought that I I felt like we there are there are I, I said it to you as they they were walking on the ground and just watching them in the in the um the tunnel. They're a big side, and yeah. they're they're a very physical side. And I thought we struggled with that, and um they 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 did it really well. And mm. look, they they were they were the they were a better side than us in the first half, and potentially throughout the game. I think we acquitted ourselves well, certainly. Um, again, unfortunately, I think we're a very fit side, and we we're quite a pacey side, and we we attack with a lot of speed and intensity, and we move the ball around quickly. But it's damn difficult to do with two and a half days preparation of a really big midweek game. Mm. And so I think we were um, some of our best attributes were compromised by not being not having fresh legs. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think you know there are a couple of factors there where missing Robinson, who uh, I think his link up with Willian is just so dangerous and puts teams on the back foot because mm. those two together can just disappear down the left wing. Yeah, and, you mentioned you that know, a few times. We we were really missing that. Last you, night. You're you're in defence, and one minute you're sort of stuck back in that far left hand corner. And then all of a sudden, you're down the other end, and Willian's just poking that little through ball as um, as uh, Robinson's flying around the outside of him, and we're putting crosses into the box for Mitro, even if they're not the best crosses most of the time. But you're still causing issues, and it also stops the press, um, which Newcastle are very good at. They press hard and often, um, and when you've got someone like Robinson who can just fly down the wing, it uh, breaks it up. It, well, it, if you decide to go and press at that point, you open up huge spaces behind. And so that, that would have really changed the game for us. And I think even though before the game, I was sort of thinking, oh, you know, if we're going to miss a player out of the team, I, I'm sort of glad it's Robinson and not someone else. Um, it, it actually felt like we really did miss Robinson. And at halftime, I was calling out for uh, just a bit more creativity. I think we were really missing... It's not something I say very often. I, I do love Tom Kearney, but I, I think our starting lineup is very set with Harrison Reed and Polina in that deep defensive midfield positions. But I felt like we were missing someone like Tom Kearney yesterday to sit in the middle and just be the general for the game and sit there and dictate play. Uh, I think we really missed a bit of creativity. And I think that comes from the fact that we had to move William to the right wing and play Bobby Deckard over Reed on the left wing to help out defensively, which just shifted things. The balance just felt a little bit off last night, and you could see that on the field with the way we were trying to play. People were a little bit out of position a few times. People weren't overly comfortable a few times. Um, but, look, I, I mean, at halftime, I, it was scrappy. I, I think I think we were, were holding our own. We definitely weren't getting, you know, dominated and just barely holding on for a nil-nil draw. Um and it did feel like there could be like a moment of magic that pops up and we somehow take away something from this game. And I, I did feel fairly confident we'd we'd take away at least a point because I felt like there were goals to come, but I felt like there were goals for both teams because as good as Newcastle looked going forward, there were a lot of gaps. I don't know what you thought when we were attacking, but it felt like there were a lot of gaps that were left open by Newcastle. Definitely. I remember us having that conversation uh within the first 15 or 20 minutes, when we did get forward a few times, it, it, it looked like there were enormous gaps. And I didn't think they were defending that well. Um, well one other thing I want to say about um, the effect of a missing Robinson, it really, and we've talked about this many times before, but it really highlighted um, how effective the pairing of Willian and Robinson actually is. And even though Willian was actually looking really good, um, he didn't have his buddy with him. 
uh, to either create a decoy run and create even more space for him or more confusion as he was we- as he weaves weaves in between players and they can't work out what he's going to do next. He just didn't have that because I was just not that player. Mm. And um and I think it 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 was really apparent um of of what he brings to Fulham or what he's been bringing to Fulham. Yeah. And that on his own, he's pretty dangerous moving forward and he's not he's not he's not sort of nervous about getting right up into the edge of the box and even having a shot. But it's his it's his movement and combination in the middle of the field that's actually really, really dangerous. Yeah, there, there's. It definitely just felt like there were a couple of missing pieces last night, um, mm. and you do kind of wish that when we went into that game against Newcastle that we did have just a full starting eleven because it would be quite an interesting matchup at that point. We did hold our own, but I think we would have held our own even more if we'd had a full starting eleven. It did. There, there was a point, and I guess moving, I'm moving beyond the halfway mark now. But I think towards the end of the first half, and certainly as we got into the second half, it increasingly felt like the pressure was building against us. We were defending valiantly. Diop was great. Tete one on one was brilliant. Kazawa wasn't terrible, and you know, Reem was was good. Polini was doing a good job, but it just felt like the pressure was building as something it was going to give. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, what we'll do, though, before we do discuss the second half, we'll go out and take a little break. Uh, when we come back, we'll go through the second half and we'll talk through those big flashpoints. Right, so let's have a talk about this second half. Um, like you said, we we did seem to be fairly comfortable in the first half, but the pressure seemed to mount in the second half, and I guess that's what happens when you go in nil-nil to a team who, you know, is third in the league, at the, well, fourth in the league, I think, at the time. I think they're up to third again now, but um, they would have got a spray in the dressing room, I would have thought, because Newcastle would probably be expecting to beat us, even though we, we've performed pretty well so far this season but based on their league position and their performances so far you'd 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 expect that Newcastle would be favourites so they really did feel like they came out of the traps in the second half and uh, they did put a lot more pressure on they seemed to um, be uh, be closing us down a lot more which definitely affected our ability to play out of defence so look um, the the first real flashpoint though didn't happen until around the 60th minute um there's a bit of a crazy little period here. Shah hits a free kick against the post. Um, a bit of a silly free kick to give away from uh, Decadova Reed, quite close in. You know, they have Kieran Trippier in the team, who is a very good free kick specialist. I think we gave away a few too many opportunities to let him just put balls into the box or have shots on goal. Uh, this one, though, wasn't taken by Trippier. Shah, I saw him and, uh, and Trippier talking beforehand, and Shah mentioned something to Trippy. I couldn't quite work it out. And Trippy said, yeah, maybe. Shah then steps up and absolutely blasts one flush against the post. Now the ball falls to, I think it was Almiron, just on the edge of the box. Leno has obviously dived to try and save it and is sort of stranded. Uh, he's got an open goal to aim at. Unfortunately, Diop, again, right place, right time, gets a block. Dad, did you think we dealt with that well? I know I've had a few cracks at Leno recently for where he puts his walls. Did you think we could have done any better there, or do you think it was just actually good play from Newcastle? Um, it felt like I actually initially thought they took the free kick fractionally early. I think I commented on that. I yeah. thought they – I was almost expecting the ref to pull that up and make them take it again because it seemed like they caught us off guard. Mm. And there was if, – if you look at that, there was a gaping hole in the wall um, and it, you know, it is a really good shot. Uh, but but Leno, if that had, if that had been any closer to being on target, I think Leno may have saved it because he didn't quite make make his post, obviously. Mm. But um, he was pretty damn close to it, and he was back to his feet very quickly. 
but not before there was absolute chaos. And yeah, I mean, you know, in those sort of situations, anything can happen. But you know, well done, Diop. He did really, really well. His awareness was great. And you never know what can happen in those sort of situations. Someone toe pokes the ball, comes off someone else's legs, it mm. gets a deflection, and it can be in the goal so easily. Yeah. But and and you know, if you keep creating chances like that, something's going to happen. And it felt like that's the way it was moving for us. They were creating a lot of chances. I know that was a set piece, but still, there was there was enormous amount of pressure, and there's a little bit of widening of the eyes in defenders they they you know you can taste the pressure yeah and um it was getting it was getting hectic and 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 we were it was getting a bit spicy as well there was a lot of yellow cards being handed out and things were getting i i, I think that's about a, a, you know maybe 10 minutes into my memory probably isn't serving me correctly here but i feel like maybe 10 minutes into the second half is where things started from a game a, a refereeing perspective, things seem to unravel a bit. A couple of decisions given against us, which started to frustrate the players. And then for me, the ref, who up to that point, we both commented on the fact that he seemed to be well and truly in charge and doing a pretty good job and, you know, being totally on top of it. And when there was a few things given against us and there was some dissent from from some of the Fulham players, he seemed to stiffen in his resolve to keep control of the game. And for me, that's when it went a bit wrong because then mm. he he was almost adamant not to be reactive when players remonstrated and appealed for things. He, he, he appeared to be um, adamant to keep control of the game no matter what. And I think that, yeah. that's kind of a dangerous uh, inflection point in in in, in the game. Mm. Uh, yeah, I was going to say we, we're obviously going to talk about the the refereeing fairly soon when we talk about the next flashpoint there. But I, I think you're right. He did. I, I mean, I think it was about the first twenty minutes or so. I remember thinking to myself, "Yeah, this um, this referee is actually fairly well in charge of the game here," and. Um, you know, was just controlling the players really well. And then around this point in the game, around the 60th minute, it just all fell to shit. He completely lost control. The crowd was going wild. Uh, fouls are getting called in, in both directions as well. I think he was poor both ways um, mm. because he just lost control. And yeah, what yeah. happens at that point? That's a good point. Either... That's a, sorry, Jack. That's a really good point. I, I, I don't in any way wish to suggest that sort of we were hard done by and he was favouring Newcastle. I don't believe that at all. I think he was just really adamant about being in control and a few things went wrong and I I just got the sense that he thought, shit, I'm losing control here, and he came down hard and was giving nothing, which created even more problems. Yeah, well, I was going to say he was either just letting everything go, which we saw with the penalties, which we'll talk about shortly, or, or he was blowing up. The, the smallest little tackles. There was one point, um, I don't know if you remember, when Wilson went down under a tackle, could have been from Ream, and he he literally had his hand on his back v- gently, barely touched him. Wilson mm. just flops to the floor, and he blows it up. But you see a couple of times players getting absolutely poleaxed in the middle of the park, and the ref just going, yeah, mm. just play on. And that's mm. that's the point where you know referees completely lost it because he's lost all consistency at that point. He's thinking and... about he's thinking about the how consistent he's being rather than being instinctive about it. I, and... I don't even think that. I think he's just got caught up in the occasion. The crowd's going wild. The crowd cheers and and shouts at you, and you give a free kick. And maybe you're thinking, oh shit, I gave that one, so maybe I won't give the next one. And yeah, that's what I mean. Just, you start just, you start yeah. being very conscious. Uh, of of how you're doing and how you're being perceived, and you stop being instinctive, uh, and 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 blowing things up as you truly see them. You're you're thinking about how you're coming across. Yeah. So look, I don't want to dwell too much on referee bashing because I, I'm not a huge fan of ref bashing, even though it, the ref, ref analysis. Ref analysis. He was he was poor though, so it's <laughs> it's analysis of a poor referee, and I just feel like that can can get a little bit messy sometimes. I'm almost glad that Sam's not on this one because he'd be going absolutely wild at the moment. 
Um, but look, big flashpoint, two penalty appeals, both turned down. Then they played on for a ridiculous amount of time. I thought almost too long mm. for VAR to actually pull it back because I think they had a chance at the other end before it actually got, I think it, yeah. it was knocked out for a corner to Newcastle. And yeah, then really it got weird. pulled out back for the penalty. I, I thought it was long gone. In in fact, the commentators at the time as well said, "Oh, they called. They actually gonna, called it. Yep. Well, they said they're not even going to look at this one for yep. VAR. Yeah. Um. And I thought, well, that's that gone, which is ridiculous. And then they did go back and look at it for VAR. And it's interesting with the first challenge, which we'll talk about. So Pereira picks up the ball. It's really well worked from Deckard over Reed, who breaks down the left. He passes the ball into the box, a beautiful ball that gets to Pereira. Pereira takes a really good touch and actually gets it past Dan Byrne, who then throws out the arm across Pereira, pulls him back. Pereira falls to the floor. I guess let's talk about this before we talk about what happened literally 17 seconds afterwards, Um, because Silva pointed on this as well in his post-match press conference. If, If that's given as a foul, that's a red card to Dan Byrne. That changes the game, ignoring what happened afterwards. That would change the game, going down to 10 men. um, And, you know, not long after that, we made a couple of substitutions, which were quite defensive substitutions in bringing on, uh, taking off Pereira, I think, was it? We took off Pereira and Willian and brought on Tosin and uh, who was the other person we brought on? Dan Jones. Tosin and Dan James. Quite defensive-minded substitutions. I think if Newcastle go down to 10 men there. Sure. So, Dad, well, firstly, is it a penalty? Yeah. And secondly, if it's a penalty, is that a red card? I I think so. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, There's not much more to say on that. I don't understand how a ref doesn't give that. And, again, I think, like we said, he's he's sort of lost his mind there um, completely and he's just almost – it's almost like he's too worried that – if he gives it, it'll get overturned. Um, my my reasoning here or, or question is, if you do have VAR, why are you not giving that as a penalty anyway? And then having it checked by VAR and checking if you want to overturn the penalty or not? Well, I think that's a valid point that I think, it, it, obviously, it's a bit like cricket, you know. Um, that's exactly what I was going to say. In cricket, you, you make a decision... And you almost, because you've got that backing you up, why wouldn't you be a little bit more? Uh... Mm, I don't think that works like that. I think umpires have an ego and they don't like who would like their decisions being overturned, even though everyone understands, particularly for a cricket umpire, you know, in the, in the, in the moment with an LBW decision or run out. No, run out is less important. But, but then LBW... do, you, do you feel like you'd rather have it overturned by calling a foul and then having it overturned as not a foul or not calling a foul and then having it overturned into a foul? Because I think it looks worse on a referee if he says that's not a foul, but then it gets checked and it is a foul. I, I, think, think, they're, it, I think they're both bad. It, sure, but, but I, I think it... it but if you... If it, you it, it looks better externally as a referee if you do give a decision and then they say, oh, look... It was maybe too harsh. The guy's actually gone down a bit too easily there. And and mm. you've almost been tricked into a bad decision by the I, player. I think from a referee's perspective, if he's ass covering, he can he can actually claim, oh, look, in the heat of the moment, there's a lot going on. Couldn't really see it clearly. I can see now in the slow yeah. motion of VAR how that is a penalty. But really, from the angle I happen to find myself in, couldn't see it clearly, had to give the benefit of the play on. And he'll get away with that as a justification. Whereas mm. if he blows it up and it's wrong, I think it's more damning. So the really interesting thing about that one there is that didn't get checked by VAR or it did get briefly checked by VAR and they said no issues there. Yeah, unreal. I, I don't don't really understand that. Um, and then, like I said, 17 seconds later, um, the ball sort of spills out of the area from that point. Um I think Pereira actually, after being fouled, gets up again and holds onto the ball, which he did really well because mm. quite a few Newcastle players just completely stopped because mm. um, I think they thought it was a dead set penalty as well. Uh, Pereira gets back up, passes the ball out to Deckard over Reed. It sort of bobbles away from him. It wasn't a great pass to him. Um, Polina obviously dives in with a tackle, wins the ball back. 
deck it over Reed with a beautiful little flip-flap skill move to get away from the defender, runs into the box, step over, at which point Kieran Tripper, Kiri, Kieran Trippier kicks him with both feet. Um, he, and he, he sort of shirt fronts him. And well, it's 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 kicks him with both um, Deckard over Reed steps over and places his foot inside the box. Trippier's standing foot, then well, he he brings his foot into Deckard over Reed and fouls him with his standing foot, and then comes to him again with his other foot. So basically, hits him twice, nowhere near the ball, and shirt fronts him. Um, and again, for me, actually in real time, it looked like a dive. And I think the referee was probably thinking, oh, well, I've turned down one penalty and now they're diving to try and get a second one, which is probably why he let that play. I was more pissed off about the Pereira foul mm. than the Deckard over Reed one. And I thought, yeah, he's he's gone down to try and win something here. But like we said, plays on for a couple of minutes there and then finally gets pulled back um, and given as a penalty. I, I did actually have a quick look at the timings here, because we'll talk about the amount of added time that was added afterwards. Um, Deckard over Reed was fouled in the 63rd minute, and I think it's 47 seconds. Um, the Metro penalty wasn't taken until the 68th minute. So that's, um, what, five minutes worth of faffing around with VAR, play going on. Um, there was a lot of hassle around before the penalty was taken. A lot of Newcastle players basically just surrounding the ref. Fulham players standing around the spot to protect it because Newcastle players are trying to get there and dig their heels in to churn up the turf. Um, and then, Dad, the, the Mitro penalty, just talk us through what what is going on with Mitro's penalties at the moment. That's his third miss of the season. Well, um, there was a lot of commotion and a lot of chaos and... You know, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, a lot of people um, will say, guys, get over it. The ref's not going to change his decision. Um, the penalty's being given. But isn't it interesting how you can still do a lot of psychological damage by causing a massive shit show after the penalty's being awarded? Oh, 100%. 100%. So, so it's not it's not wasteful. It's actually incredibly tactical, and it does work. The, it, the, the crowd are going mad. The referee's really working hard to try and uh, manage the whole situation. We've got a one Pereira and uh, at least a couple of players protecting the spot. You've got Pope who's come in and is, you know, making his presence. I've got yellow presence, card no? in that, in that yep. little sequence as well. Yep. Mitro very wisely pulls away, takes himself away, takes himself out of the action completely, composes himself, mm. and, you know, does it really well. Let's him get, get on with it. It comes up to the spot. And I have to say that I, I did notice on a number of occasions how players losing their footing on the surface. Yeah, yeah. Pereira went over a, uh, a couple of times. Uh, Ream went over, I think, from memory. A couple of times, you know, just stuff you don't normally see uh, on your own turf. Um, now, I'm, I'm not really saying anything about that at all, other than the fact that we, for whatever reason, weren't managing the surface very well. Yeah, it just looked like slightly, I don't know, like a he heavy turf or yeah, something. Yeah, like did look a bit heavy. Did Almost look heavy. like what you'd see from a um, a rugby league field yeah. or something yeah. like that. Like just just a bit. Yeah, loose underfoot almost to to have, allow for players to be falling over. Having um, having having said all of that, I think the job was done and the spot was protected. I, I don't believe that anyone touched it. I looked at it after the penalty; it looked perfect. So no mm. complaints there. Um, that was purely a mistake by Mitro. He fluffed his lines. Um, really weird one. He's looking very settled. He looks over his left shoulder to the ref, gets a go-ahead, runs in. And I initially thought that he'd scuffed it completely and because the ball bobbles out strangely. It's almost like he'd got under it and put backspin yeah. on it and uh, like Look, a little wedge Came shot. out weird. Came out weird. He, he, you know, he did not hit it well. But there it is in the back of the net. 
top left corner, and I'm thinking, brilliant. And then, then you know, uh, obviously the ref pretty well picked up actually because if you think about where he where the ref was standing, um, it's not the best angle to see what happened there. And yeah. but he pulled it up straight away. He he you know it wasn't uh, the VAR or anyone else who spotted that. He picked it straight away. I think um, well, I mean the the Newcastle players all picked it instantly and were you know running towards the referee as soon as he took it. Uh, I think from our angle, it was, I mean, like like we both said, I didn't really pick up on what happened at first. Didn't see it at all. I just I d- didn't really see how the ball got to where it got. But I reckon if you were down there and, you know, the ref is only oh, a handful of metres away from him, it would have actually been quite obvious because everyone picked up on it straight away. And when, you can tell you say, you as well. When you say that the, for a right-footed player taking a penalty, that the referee should always be on his right side? It's a bit weird where he was standing. I don't really get it, but I, I think they do that now because there's quite a lot of instances where um, players run up to take a penalty and just touch the ball to the side for someone running into the box. Um, that that seems to happen fairly often nowadays. Um, and I think also if you're standing back behind him, you can see the taker and the goalkeeper at the same time and potentially some of the players on the edge of the box and make a bit of a call there. So maybe he's just in a position to try and get a better view of the game. But again, I just think the referee was poor multiple times, and that but, was just another instance. But, but let's be fair, let's be fair here. Mitro's made a mistake. <laughs> oh yeah, and that that's probably the talking point. And ah, oh, I felt for him. I really felt for him. It's against his old club. The, the, you know, the, the 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 fans are going mad. The crowd's really against, not against us, but absolutely for the home side at this point mm. and uh it's a pretty crushing error to make on a big stage oh absolutely and i feel for mitro uh obviously you know we're a fan and we love mitro we want him to do well we know there's an issue here um and there's surely going to have to be an awkward conversation which may not result in the ball being taken away from him the penalties but geez He's got some work to do, hasn't he? Whether it's in his head, whether he's not practicing enough, or, um, you know, even when he does hit the ball relatively cleanly, he's not he's not a top six penalty taker at the moment. Well, I mean, let's let's discuss it because we did talk about it not that long ago. Where where was the other penalty that he missed? Was that Everton last minute? He'd already um, won the game. Yes. Yeah, Everton. I'm pretty uh, I think sure he, he missed. He missed one against Wolves. No, not Everton. He missed one against Wolves. Uh, Crystal Palace, maybe. I can't remember the game it was, but he missed it in the last minute. It, 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 it didn't. It wasn't consequential. No, not at all. Uh, but you know, we have to look at those chances now and say, the Wolves game. If he scores that penalty, we win that game. This game, if he scores that penalty, we at least take a point and maybe win the game. You never, you never know. You don't know. They, 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 things could have changed significantly. The moment we've gone one one nil up, changes the game. Yeah, but but let, let's let's just assume we we win those two games. We, we're then on pick up an extra six points from well, so not six points, four points from where we are currently, uh, which you know makes quite a big difference. That puts us mm-hmm. above Tottenham at that point. Um, and on 30, 35 points, uh, it's it's quite considerable. And missing three penalties for a club is quite a lot. Being at 50% in your career for penalties for, for your team is pretty poor now, seeing as he's the, the key penalty taker. And he, I don't know the exact numbers, but he must have taken uh, 15 penalties for us maybe, maybe only 10, but... Even then, you're, you're giving up a lot of opportunities, and you know a penalty being scored. I think I saw a stat going around that mo- it's like seventy or eighty percent of penalties are scored. Yeah, well, that's the point. That's the point. And you, he's you know, shooting at fifty. Yeah. yeah, it's it's as much as I want to back him as our talisman, as our key man, as our you know top striker, the leader of the team. 
I think a conversation will have to be had at some point about do we give this to someone else? I think it's going to be very tough to take it away from Mitro. And we kind of talked about it last time around as well, uh, where we said you take that ball out of Mitro's hands and he loses a lot of confidence. And we have to remember he hasn't scored since the Leicester game now. He was obviously flying at the start of the season, but he's not scoring quite as freely as he was back then. Admittedly, he's missed a couple of games here and there, but um, it's been a while since he's put the ball in the back of the net and he's a confidence player. Um, well, the Leicester game was what two two weeks ago now, so he'd be he'd kind of be gagging for another opportunity to score, which is why he's taking the ball when the penalty kicks come around. Um, I feel like I I don't think we're going to take it off him, but I think there'll have to be a conversation back at Motspur Park at some point about taking the ball away from Mitro for penalties because we got someone like Pereira who is that good in dead ball situations. Why are we not using him? Hmm. It's a similar skill, isn't it? Um, or do you see the danger and the damage that comes from taking the ball away from him and just go down a different path and say, right, how do we mentally change this? The problem um, is you can't. And it's been discussed when you talk about, because obviously we just had the World Cup, it gets discussed a lot where you go, how how do teams miss so many penalties at the World Cup? And there were a lot of penalties missed at this World Cup. And all the pundits, or the really good ones at least, have all got together and basically said, you just can't practice penalties. It's all well and good sitting at the training ground and taking 100 penalties. But when you're in the heat of the moment, and like you saw, there's players shouting at you from the edge of the box trying to put you off. There's guys getting around you and getting in your face beforehand. There's a keeper who um, has been doing his homework on where you go usually. Like it's it's really tough to actually put yourself in that situation without being in a game. And I think it's all it's all mind games. And unfortunately, at the moment, Mitro is losing those mind games. He's hmm. putting the ball on target, but they're not good penalties. Yeah. And yeah. and I think that's a confidence thing because we see with the penalties that he takes. He's not putting them in the corners. He's not putting them high, which is where he should be putting them. He's um, he's hitting them like halfway across the goal and just hoping the keeper goes the wrong way, which isn't the way to go about taking a penalty. Mm. This one, I have to say, it's unlucky because he's, he's slipped. He's scuffed the ball onto his other foot and it's been taken away from him. But Pope has gone the right way. And I think Pope probably saves that penalty, even if he doesn't slip. But it... it, it... Is slipping something that's likely to happen when you're in your own head, because because you know your hit rate with your penalties is not good enough. And I you don't can't think afford- so. I don't think you slip because you. I, I think he's he's probably leant back slightly to try and go a bit higher than usual, and he's just misplaced his foot and his foot's just gone underneath him. Um, it's hard to say. I mean. What would be worse uh, for your confidence, missing a penalty like or well, having the penalty taken away from you because of a random double hit because you slipped or having another penalty saved by a keeper? What's worse for your confidence? Uh, they're quite different. Um, but in the end, you, as I said, you fluffed your lines, come what may. I think may, may, maybe having an average stop really easily saved like sort of you know waist high um halfway between the middle and yeah. and and the upright saved really easily and predictably saved which i feel like would have happened if he'd hit that cleanly <laughs> yeah that's possibly worse i think i think that's worse because at that point you go shit maybe i'm just not good at these mm. and you have to but you, but you know what it is he needs a psychologist to basically take the fear of failure away because he's plenty good enough to hit the side netting, right? Either side. He's good enough. Yeah, of course. And he's, but he's fearful of failure. And mm. that's, that's his problem, obviously. Yeah. yeah. It does. It does feel a little bit like that. It it now becomes a job of the coaching staff and, and Silver to literally put his arm around Metro, not have a difficult word, but say to Metro, I know you can do it. I'm now giving you license to blaze away at the goal 
and I don't care if you miss the side netting, but rather try and hit the side netting with fury than just dab it into the goalkeeper's hands. Mm. I don't mind if you miss, but let's turn this around, and the next five penalties you take, you're going to go for the side netting with anger. Oh, I'm not even saying that. I've Go down the middle with anger. And just just put some real power behind it, and don't. Try you can't go down the middle ball. every time, can you? Well, right? you can. Be <laughs> a brave keeper to stand in the middle. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's move on from that. Mm. There, Newcastle got a massive boost from that point on. The crowd really got behind them. Newcastle looked like they were in search for a winner. A couple of little half chances. There was one where, um, Sir Maximan lashed the ball just wide of the post. Newcastle were looking dangerous, but I have to say Fulham were holding on really well. Um, but unfortunately, the Newcastle goal came in the 89th minute. Uh, cruel, very cruel. The ball gets played over the top. Um, Diop, who's been in the right place for the whole game, ends up being in the wrong place this time round. Ball just flights over the top of him. Wilson, I, I don't know if Wilson's trying to head that back across goal. I think he might be, and the ball hits the back of Diop falls back to Wilson's feet, who admittedly um, reacts very quickly, just gently dinks the ball back across the box for Isak, who is in the perfect position there to head into an empty net. Dad, do you think it's, it's almost a bit weird seeing Leno's positioning there? Do you think Leno could have done any better? Uh, I'm going to say no. Not necessarily um, with the cross, but with sort of getting dragged out of position there because he does end up, um, kind of in no man's land, and, and it's a, a very simple header into the back of the net for Isak. The action was between Diop and Wilson, mm. and given given Wilson's form on the day, you could you could imagine that Leno's thinking he, he's going to skin Diop here, and he's going to go to my bottom right corner. Yeah, so he's got to be there, and it doesn't turn out like that. Um, and I give it again. I give it to Wilson. His reactions were lightning mm. to to tap that ball. We both commented on on at the time. A lot of strikers would have lashed at that just to try and force the ball into the net from close range. He didn't do it. He was very calm and very clear headedly popped the ball back mm. to, uh, into a beautiful position for the tap in or the head in. Yeah, um, he really just set the ball up across the box. Just so by. he did really well. He did yeah. really well. I, I think that that's oh, it's easy to, in retrospect, to be uh, critical of Leno's position there. But I think the the danger was there with Wilson one on one with Diop. Mm. He he had to be there in position. Yeah, look, I, I think it, it's it'd be very tough to really go in too hard on anyone at that point because it, it was just unfortunate you know when you you're a defender the ball goes over your head you get the ball headed into your back you have no idea where the ball is Wilson reacts really well like we said um and it's a very simple finish and look from there it 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 just felt disheartening kind of flat it's another late goal we've conceded I, I saw a stat basically where you look at the the games we've conceded late in this season and it's basically all the teams in the top half. We considered late against Arsenal, um, late against Tottenham, late against Liverpool, Man United, Man City, and Newcastle now, um, where we've we've dropped points because of late goals. Is it is that a worry? Oh, look, I think to be fair, as I said, that goal, a goal, was coming for quite some considerable time. We were soaking up a lot of pressure. The game got a little bit out of hand. Um, I, I tell you what, there won't be a free chiropractic treatment or appointment available on Monday in Newcastle. I, I I don't know how many heavy hits Pereira was putting in. It was getting hectic. Mm. And um, he, he, there, there were like bodies on the ground. Um, so it it's it's horrible to concede late in a game, particularly on a 1-0 losing scoreline. It's horrible. Um, but it it's probably a reasonable reflection of the game. I think, to be really fair and independent here, Newcastle deserved a goal. 
for for their day. Yeah. Um, you know, we 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 want a penalty. 80 percent probability says you should be getting a goal. Um, we didn't really create that many other chances, and mm. we were under serious pressure defending many more. So, it, you know, um, if Newcastle could have scored in the first half, they could have scored early in the second half. We we may have we may have been on the losing end of a one nil defeat mm. um, much earlier in the game. And arguably, they could have defended that quite well. And I don't know that we could have really made big changes to overturn that. So it's 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 a horrible feeling um, when you lose like that, and when you lose three or four times in a se- in a season to big clubs, you you're always left wondering what could have been. Yeah. Um, but really, on 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 balance. It it's it's not that unfair or unreasonable a result. Yeah, look, I, I kind of agree. I I sort of thought we I don't know if we deserved a point. I think we we almost did deserve a point though for the fact that we we did hold them out for ninety minutes. We were unfortunate with a couple of penalty appeals. I think Dan Byrne definitely, but it should have been sent off for that foul on Pereira. Well, that's a, that that could have been massive. Um, at which point I think. Yeah, we we sort of hard done by, and so we we did deserve at least a point from that game. Yeah, um, yeah. Again, it's it's not the end of the world because we're talking about deserving a point from the game, not three points from the game. Yeah, um, we've dropped one point here rather than feeling like we've dropped three, which you do feel a lot more aggrieved about. Mm. Um, so look, it's 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 tough, but uh, and I think it's good that we're disappointed at losing to a team third in the league, um, and you know we do have to sort of take a step back and say, look, a few days ago we beat Chelsea. Um, we're competitive against teams who are, you know, not challenging from the title as such, but definitely pushing Champions League spots. So it's it's a different Fulham team and it's a good feeling at the moment. It's it's just a shame that this has dampened it a little bit because of the, the way we lost this game. Um, mm. I don't think you can blame any of the players too much for anything that happened. Which nope. is kind of good going into a game. I think, you know, really Kazawa was kind of poor. Not poor, but he, he definitely wasn't Robinson. And so that definitely felt like a bit of a step back. But apart from that, everyone else I thought had a really good game. Yeah, I I, I re- honestly and realistically, I wasn't super disappointed with Kazawa. I think the correct way to characterize it, it just isn't as effective at the moment as Robinson. And that that was the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's, he, he's certainly not an embarrassment. He's not Chalaba coming in for Polina. He's not Mbabu coming in for Tete. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so look, a, a disappointing loss, but we look forward. We've got a couple of big games coming up again. We play Spurs uh, next week. I think that's a Sunday game, is it? No, I think it's Tuesday. Oh, no. Sorry. It's a Tuesday game. So we've got a, a fairly decent break now. And then after the Spurs game, we come up against Chelsea again. Another 4 a.m. start for for us over here in Perth. But I reckon I'll be setting the alarm again and making sure I get up and watch that one because that's going to be an absolute ripper of a game. Jack, Um, let me remind you, um, you'll be on babysitting duty. Yeah, I will be up. I'll be awake. Um, So, look, Dad, let's wrap it up there. I think we've covered this game fairly uh, comprehensively. Thank you for your time today. Yep, good. Um, disappointing, but uh, cathartic. I'm over it now. Yep, agreed. Needed to be done. And uh, already looking forward to the next one and the next time we get Sam involved and get another podcast, looking at some positives and hopefully talking through another win. Can can we just say before you sign off um, how encouraging it is that uh, we do seem to be getting um, – a modest but regular following and you know thank you so much to everyone that um continues to download and listen and and support us yeah a big thank you as well to our new followers on on twitter uh trying to put in a bit of an effort to 
be a little bit more active on Twitter because I know that's where all the action is. But it's been great getting shout-outs from um, people like Jack and Loz, from White Noise, um, Russ Goldman over at Cottage Talks giving us a few shout-outs. Um, but we really appreciate every time someone shares our posts and gets a few extra listeners. Um, the numbers have kind of doubled uh, since we've come back from the World Cup break, which is um, really encouraging for us and just makes us want to keep doing this and keep putting out more content and uh, keep getting better for everyone. So thank you for for all our new listeners. And please, if you if you do listen to this podcast, make sure you share it around. Um, try and introduce it to to your Fulham mates and get them listening to the That's So Craven podcast alongside all the other great podcasts out there as well. Yeah, can we can you can we please try and get us above ten listeners every week? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's easy to double when you go from five to ten, isn't it? <laughs> no, we have huge numbers, guys. That was a joke. <laughs> anyway, everyone, thank you again for listening, and uh, we look forward to bringing out our next episode and talking to you soon. So until then, come on, you whites. <laughs>